Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I am a part of the Gestalt IT community. And each episode, we bring you the opinions and perspectives of luminaries in the IT industry. I'd like to take a moment for our guests for this episode to introduce themselves so you get to know them a little bit better before we dive into the premise of today. Hi, I'm Carl Fugate. I'm a cloud and network architect, and you can find me on Twitter at Carl Fugate. Ed Whedon, uh, network engineer, uh, and you can find me on Twitter at Avalon Hawk. I'm Kirsten Mendestief. I write about technology, and you can find me on Twitter at Frau Stief underscore in underscore IT. All right. Thank you all for joining us today. Let's dive into the premise for this episode. Have you heard about the car that runs off of seawater and gets 400 miles to the gallon, but was secretly purchased by the Detroit automakers and you've never seen it before? Of course you have. It's an urban myth. Every time we think that we found a way to improve technology past what is current, we realize that it's just an urban legend. We've heard of it, but no one's ever seen it. But in technology, we see disruptive technology all the time. Things like the original iPhone, things like several networking constructs. SDN was considered to be one of the most disruptive technologies of its time. And yet, even though we've seen these technologies being deployed and used all over the place, there are still those interesting things that get bought and then suddenly disappear. It was a whole product category, and now it's a little checkbox at the bottom of a very long list of other things that a company would like to sell you. So the premise for today's episode is that disruptive technology gets buried. So I'd like to jump in. I'd like to start with that conversation because this is something we were talking about just before the podcast came up. It seems like there's a lot of really cool companies, especially startups, because we're here in Silicon Valley recording this episode, that have these really awesome ideas. And then they just disappear. And what happens? Well, we go on a website somewhere and we find out that they were purchased by a large vendor four years ago and their entire staff was laid off. And now that team is basically being maintained by some poor dude who's working on the support uh, staff because there's one customer that still use it. What's been your experience with these kinds of disruptive technologies just kind of disappearing into the ether? So I know for myself, there have been a lot of really interesting companies um, and products that have come out over the last you know, 10 years. Uh, networking has been really going through a renaissance and there's a lot of really interesting ideas. Um, we've seen a lot of them at Network Field Day. What, we, what, what I've really seen as a trend, we, we see that these new technologies come out and they're almost immediately gobbled up by a bigger vendor at some point within the first few years of, of them being out there and available. The, the challenge is a lot of these vendors have an idea for how they're going to change networking. And I think those visions are very valid. I think they're very interesting to a lot of networking professionals. The struggle is for vendors who acquire them, they're not necessarily bought into those visions. They are looking at some of the features and some of the things, the innovations that these companies have built, and they want to kind of bolt them in or acquire or, or pull them into their existing portfolio. 
And so we kind of lose a lot of traction where we could kind of see some of this leapfrog innovation and we still just kind of get this, you know, step innovation from the vendors. So has that been the experience for you two as well? Have you seen some interesting disruptive technologies that suddenly get snapped up by a larger vendor and kind of put out to pasture as it were? I mean, I think you can make that argument for a lot of the SD-WAN consolidation that we've been seeing in the marketplace. Um, it, we're seeing the larger vendors coming in and snapping up all of the innovators in, in that SD-WAN space. And they're working to integrate them into their, their existing portfolio and with varying degrees of success. And in some instances, um, it's to plug a gap that they have in their existing products that they can't innovate because of trying to turn a Titanic ship <laughs> um, and it's easier to acquire. I think we had, you know, we talked about that as well. You know, the, you know, do you, do you build it in-house or do you buy it? Uh, let somebody else innovate and buy it and, and integrate it in. And I, I, I have yet to see some of these, some of these integrations go really, really well in, in my experience. Okay. <laughs> I see this also a lot of time that um, innovative companies um, get acquired by bigger ones and um, they have cool technology and I think um, they they see the coolness of the technology, but as long as bigger vendors still earn their money with their own solutions, um, the, yeah, the, the cash cows, um, the, the newer solutions will, will draw under. They, they do not get a chance in these companies. This is what I see out there. They, they, they are really ambitious. They buy the solutions, they want the technology, but they are not able to bring the power to the street. So the question then becomes, is it an issue of a company not being able to create a disruptive enough um, environment to create these technologies? Or are they so hidebound by what they see that they don't believe there could be something out there that could do this. And as we discussed that particular point, I would like to bring up uh, Mario Mazzola, Prem Jane, Luca Cafiero, and Sonny Giandani, the infamous MPLS crew at Cisco who were spun out three separate times to disruptively innovate technology, not because they couldn't do it anywhere else, but because this corporate structure at their employer would not allow them to be disruptive. And in all three cases, that technology was reacquired by their employer until such time as they were spun out again. So could it be that it's not the technology that's the problem, it's the, the way that it's developed internally? Because you know, if we're gonna do this, it must follow these rules and we must use these processes and it must be patented and all of these things. Whereas in Silicon Valley, I mean, a lot of these people live by the, uh, the, the maxim of move fast, break things. It depends on the company. So you see, if you uh, have a look at Google or also um, at Microsoft, they have an environment where um, those developments are enforced and um, they, they are really seeking new technology and giving their employees the chance to develop new technology. So I, I think it's, it's, a, yeah, it's a culture thing in, in the, within the company. <laughs> Well, I was just going to say, and, and piggybacking on that, sometimes when you have that, those, uh, when you're looking to innovate, a lot of businesses are worried about cannibalizing their own sales pipeline. Um, and that's why sometimes 
you know, the innovation comes from outside those larger organizations um, and then get bought back up or spun back out and bought back up, you know, in this, this kind of back and forth cycle. Yeah, and uh, you know, you said culture and it made me think of the word courage. Um, you know, one of the things, you know, to, to Ed's point, you know, companies do not want to risk their, their existing business, you know, on a, a disruptive technology. But if, you, if you're really going to disrupt the market, you have to, to be able to take that risk. Um, and, you know, part of the struggle, and, and this is for any business, it's the world that we live in, um, you're measured quarter to quarter. Right, we, we no longer look at things on, let me innovate for a 10-year plan or a 20-year plan. If you could get four quarters, that's, that's a lot, right? That's a long time. And so, you know, if you look at the, 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 the ones who are innovating, right? And, I'll, and I'll t I think a prime example of this is where the cloud providers are. And I'll, I'll even go as far as to say Amazon, you know, their model. Um, the market had trust that they had a vision that they would eventually be able to be an incredibly profitable company. How long did they go where they didn't generate profits, um, but they changed the world? I mean, I, I think we can all, all agree with that. And that kind of courage and support from investors and from the market and from you know, their customers is what we have to have if we're really going to have kind of a, a renaissance. And you know, with what we're seeing in, in cloud, you know, networking is kind of at a crossroads of you know, we, can, we can innovate and we can still be around, we can still be something uh, that, uh, you know, that customers you know, purchase and, and deploy and manage or it's just gonna go all as a service, right? Eventually, and you know, I think that's you know, kind of one of the lines that I've seen over the last few years around 5G adoption was, hey, I don't need a network anymore, right? I'm just gonna go 5G. Um, and I think whether that is cloud providers providing you know, network in a box to, to customers or whether it's uh, some type of wireless solution, um, if, if we don't, get some innovation, we don't make networking simpler and easier to use, eventually someone will, and that will be the way that we do networking from for the rest of time. Quarter-driven companies is brilliant, yeah. So um, I see another thing on the, uh, I want to bring another thing on the table so the customers on the other side. Um, if a company is, quarterly or quarter driven and, and have to um, deliver results quickly. Um, customers do not um, change their technology or um, their, their solutions so quickly. When a new technology comes out, customers wants to see how they prove how they are in the wild, how they behave. And it takes usually two to three, even more years to, um, to get adopted. And most of the companies don't take this time. Yeah. Whether um, uh, the investors don't give them the time or the companies think they do not have the time. But one of the things that we see over and over again in these kinds of things is that companies will go out and make acquisitions for those kinds of, of things where it's like, oh, well, we need to add something new to our product pipeline, so we're going to go buy a company. And I'll, I mean, we, 
everyone in networking and especially in wireless is familiar with MIST systems. MIST systems was a very disruptive wireless technology. And when the MIST team was out independently, they were selling against some of the biggest names in the market and succeeding. And then they were purchased by Juniper. And quite honestly, the original discussion from a lot of people was, oh my God, Juniper's gonna kill another wireless company. We've seen this happen before. But the people who kind of understood the technology behind MIST and realized that they were not just an access point company said, well, what happens if you take their software, which is the special part, and distribute it across the product line? And that's what we've seen over the course of the last couple of years. MIST as a company still exists, even though they're a part of, of Juniper, because their disruptive technology is now a part of everything that Juniper does. You can't buy anything from Juniper today except for maybe some very specialized equipment that doesn't have access to MIST's cloud and Marvis, their AI platform. In fact, at Networking Field Day 27, we heard about how they were doing uh, AI-driven SD-WAN from a company that they acquired because their SD-WAN technology was lacking. So could it be in some cases that the product doesn't disappear as much as it becomes pervasive enough in the company to effectively disrupt the way that they do business, where we've seen these kinds of companies pivot yeah. from yeah. being one company that sells one specific thing, they acquire a company that does something else, and now suddenly, forget about company in the past, we're actually company in the future that does things differently because we've integrated all of that acquisition across the whole market. I, I, I actually agree with that, that what Juniper, how Juniper's integrated that into uh, the, the missed acquisition, and the technology, the AI-driven technology with Marvis into uh, across the portfolio is uh, across the Juniper portfolio. And then also with the 128T acquisition as well, that that's starting to be, uh, you know, we're starting to see that integration between uh, uh, across the entire Juniper product stack. I think it is a beautiful example of a company that is pivoting and innovating and integrating that te technology in and kind of embracing disruption and embracing the let's break the way that we have traditionally thought about networks, um, you know, at the enterprise layer, at the, you know, you know uh, across different markets, uh, segments. Yeah, I, I completely, completely agree, Ed. And, you know, you know, looking at, you know, an example, I think of a company who, you know, not not all companies are bad at this. You know, I think you know we 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 certainly seen you know a lot of technologies that I think I would have loved to have seen be really really successful on their own get acquired and and maybe not, but that's not always the case. And there are some vendors, uh, especially today. Juniper, I think, is doing a great job. I think one of the the best examples of this that I've seen though is VMware. Um, VMware has acquired yeah. a lot of technologies, um, and they have changed the way that, that networking is done. It was, they really, they didn't have a networking strategy, you know, up until NSX came along. And now they have an entire portfolio of networking products. They've acquired SD-WAN, an SD-WAN company to, to be able to integrate. So certainly there's, it's not always this, this case. Um, but you know, if if, comp if if these innovation cycles aren't allowed to extend out, I think a little bit longer, um, you know, and and 
we don't we don't just see the the companies are just quickly acquiring them to to grab that that piece of technology and and get it quickly integrated and just realize that value really quickly. I think that's going to continue to slow down. Um, you know how quickly we can we can get this out, and networking is is a challenge. Cloud we can innovate very very quickly. Um, networks, it, it's really hard. We have physical devices that we have to deploy and we have to deploy them out into lots of locations and getting people out there to do it. It's a, it, networking is a, is a really strange uh, and different animal from, from other areas. Well, and I think I, uh, to piggyback on that and, and going with that innovation theme and speed to innovate and improve compared to traditional networking in the uh, I was about to say in the past, not really in the past, but today, that especially within enterprise space, one of the challenges is, is it, like you said, networking's hard. And if you screw it up, <laughs> people start coming and yelling. I mean, there's a reason we say mean time to innocence. <laughs> uh, and it, so it, it lends itself to being kind of difficult to actually innovate, do things quickly. Hey, Let's try this out, build it up. Hey, this didn't work, burn it down and start over like we do in cloud. Yes. Especially how networking needs this disruption and yes. needs this yes. innovation. This is just a central, it's critical. It's so critical for many services, for companies, for nearly everything. So, and it's still a silo in the most of the companies, even um, telcos are, yeah, they, they are just telcos, uh, service providers but they all come closer together. When, when I see a large enterprise network, I see no differences to a telco network to an ISP network anymore. They are all using the same technology. They are, have, have to scale very large quickly. And I see also that security becomes a huge part of network and they, they must go together sooner, yeah, better sooner than later. So the question that I have kind of related to some of the things that you've been discussing is we've been very focused on this idea that large traditional companies have been kind of stifling or acquiring this innovation because of the fact that they're driven by a quarter to quarter mentality. I have to please my investors this month and I have to be able to provide value and, and get new customers. But one of the other things that we see quite frequently in this space is on the opposite side of the table where a startup is very much driven, not by a quarter to quarter mentality, but by a funding round to funding round or right. investor to investor mentality. And how many times have we heard a story about a company where they had a visionary leader who had an idea to change the world. And by the time they got to their series B funding round, it was something completely different because your original idea won't sell or will take too long to develop. And how many technologies have we seen that have died on the vine simply because we couldn't get someone to invest enough money in it to bring it to fruition. I can actually think of a storage company that was using OpenFlow to solve scalability limitations in NFS. It was a brilliant way to do it, but nobody else bought into it. And before they could get acquired to have that technology perhaps integrated into maybe like vSAN, they ran out of money and they had to liquidate the company and everything. And it's, could it be that some of the reasons why we see that these technologies are getting buried is not because some, some bigger company wants them to disappear, but because the company itself is too focused on building features and not on running a business. You know, I, I think um, 
you know, one of the one of the things that is is really a, a hot topic in in IT in general right now is around supply chain. Um, you know, we look at uh, the limitations around fab and we're starting to see now investment to say, let's bring, you know, fab manufacturing back back to the states. Um, you know, another an, another example of, of networking communication where we've seen this is in space. You know, we have companies like, you know, uh, uh, SpaceX who are, are launching, you know, Starlink and and putting uh, networking into space. And why are we doing that? Because that's that was an easier way to to deploy a, a worldwide communication network. Um, I, I really think that at some point we're going to have to see some um, collaboration or some uh, support to enable us to get past some of, of this, you know, whether it's, you know, it's getting to sold, whether it's it's getting your, your idea bought or your product bought. Um, and we have to have something that allows kind of that, that innovation road to continue um, or else we're, we're never going to get there fast enough. I want to come back to your example with the um, flow thing and storage. I think sometimes companies are just too early. So I saw I saw technologies die we, that that are common, yeah, that are common now. And um, twenty years ago, we had a company was um, specialized on wireless networks in in the world. Now we have um, SpaceX with the Starlink network, and um, yeah. So sometimes, uh, yeah. They're too visionary, maybe. Yeah, I mean, the, it's, I mean, it's true. I mean, I think you can end up with, you know, problems on the startup side as well. Um, you know, and it, it, it kind of goes to that, that startup mentality of, you know, get yourself to IPO or get yourself to sold, you know, and, and, having, to, and having to pick that route. Um, and I think that, ultimately what it comes down to is we have an issue with seeing something cool and exciting that we really want to see succeed we want we want this to change the world and it turns out that changing the world from what we know is really hard if you look at any newsreel in the 50s we were all supposed to be eating freeze-dried meals from our flying cars while we were having tv beamed into our brains but the old maxim from henry ford still is alive and well that people really just want a slightly faster horse that eats less hay and if you're willing to take a chance on making a disruptive technology if you're willing to do something that really does change the world the vision that you have can't just be for features it needs to be for how to sustain the pipeline that you need to develop it because if you don't you're either going to find yourself with a whole lot of great ideas and not a lot of capital or a cog in the machine that exists to perpetuate what's going on by building slightly faster horses that eat a little less hay until we develop something new and different that needs to come to fruition. This will just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. Thank you very much for tuning in. You can always find the latest episode of our podcast on our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe in your favorite podcast application of choice. You can also find us in iTunes. If you do that, please make sure you leave a rating and a review. That really does help people figure out what the content of the show is about and if they want to be uh, future listeners. And if you have a topic, a premise that you would like us to bring up here on the show, please do not hesitate. 
to tweet at us. We're at on-premise IT on Twitter. You can also tweet at Gestalt IT and we'll make sure that we see that as well. We hope to be back with another episode very soon and maybe some more great premises that we would like to share with you. But until then, thank you very much for tuning in and we'll see you next time.